In our Bibles now to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. As we're continuing our study through the book of 1 Corinthians, we're here in this third chapter. Last week we looked at Paul's metaphor for the church as being like a farm. And in verse 9 he says, We are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. And so Beginning with verse 10, he shifts the metaphor from a farm to a building and compares the church, the people of God, all of them, he's not just referring to the church in Corinth, but to all Christians, as being a building. We were at a wedding yesterday, and the reception was in a building that had, it was a really nice building, but they had little plaques everywhere, and if you spent money, you could get your name put in a plaque in the cement or in a plaque on the walls, or there were all names all over this thing, and I, I was thinking about, we were kidding around, I was telling Anne, when I die, just take everything that we have and buy me a plaque on this building, but, you know, I was thinking about how people so want a legacy, they so want something that will last longer than they are, something that they can, you know, people will look, and, and it's almost like, boy, if you had a part in that, that you go on after your life ends. And that's important to some people in terms of buildings, but to all of us, I think it's important we have a sense of, I want to leave something after I'm gone. I want to make a difference. I, I would like for all that I do in my life to not just end when I end. See, for each of us, we have, well, we all have the same number of minutes in an hour and hours in a day and days in a week and weeks in a year. And then when it comes to how many years we have, that varies greatly. But ultimately, we have a set amount of time with which we can impact this world. And in that time that we have, we also have uh, talents that God gives some of us more than others, experiences that we have, relationships that we have, a certain amount of money that we go through in a lifetime. And ultimately, we hope that somehow when it's all over, the world was different because we were here. And we didn't just leave nothing, we left something. And I think that as people make a difference, they look for signs of that difference. It's one reason, I think, why people like to have children and grandchildren. They feel that they're reproducing themselves and leaving a legacy in others. As I drive around, there are things I see that remind me of people, that remind me of those who had a role in doing certain things or they had that kind of car and their memory remains because of that. I, I, I was thinking the other day, I was over at, at um, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, and they just redid their sanctuary. And they, they did a beautiful job, did a lot of new things to it. And yet, what I was thinking as I was looking at it is of how it looked when it was first built, because there's still, the guts of the building is still there, and it still exists. And I, whenever I see that building, I think of the days when it was being put together. I think of people like Jim Deemer, who's gone to be with the Lord, and his, his wife 
goes to our church here and, and how involved he was. And after he went to be with the Lord, yet still, you see, that building that he was so involved building. And every one of us look for things like that. And Paul is addressing that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And let's begin reading with verse 10. He says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, the word there, master builder, in the Greek is architectone. It's the word that we use for architect. I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned... He will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now, later on in 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that each of us as individuals, when we become Christians... The Holy Spirit comes inside us, and our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so all of the Holy Spirit resides inside me. But here he's using it in a, in a broader sense that the Holy Spirit also exists within the church. That is the collection of all of the people of God. All the people who name the name of Jesus have been saved by him. The church isn't a building. A building is where some parts of the church meet, but the church really is the whole assembly of, of God's people. And so he's saying, you're a part of the building. You're being built. But he also says, in kind of a, a strange contradiction, you are also involved in the building process. You are also a part of putting the building together. And so for all of us, we are being built up as God works in our lives but also, we're the ones that he uses to actually do the building. We encourage each other. We build each other up. We help to develop each other. And what we do on this life, what we do on this earth, makes an impact. Depending on the, the impact, it depends on what we do with the time and the resources and the energy and the effort that we have. And, and so that's the image that he's developing, but he talks about the day. He talks about fire. Most theologians believe that here he's referring to what we call the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. Bema is a Greek word that's translated judgment. And, well, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians, he goes into it in a lot more detail in 2 Corinthians 5, or he mentions it as the judgment seat of Christ. But the word there is bema. Often, the bema judgment was a reward stand at the end of an Olympic event when you would come up and receive your reward. And so here, he's referring to the day when we will stand before Christ and, in a sense, answer for what we did with what he gave us. It, 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 we can't have much of an explanation, but ultimately, whatever we did that was wasted just gets destroyed. It just gets burned away. It's gone. It 
dematerializes. And whatever lasts, whatever we did that is of eternal value, we will receive rewards for those things. Paul, in talking about that event, challenges each of us about what we're going to do with our lives. He he calls us to pay special attention to leaving a legacy because the day will come, and it may be that judgment seat, but it also happens during this life where a day comes when the fire hits and you find out whether what you're doing has lasted or not. You find out whether it's very temporary or whether it's more permanent. And he calls us not just to sit and wait, but to pay attention what we do with what we have because we should be aware of the results that follow. So again, back up in verse 10, we'll look through this a little more carefully. Paul, talking about the role that he has, said, according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise architect, as a wise master builder, Now, Paul had a great role within the body of Christ. He was one who, as one of the apostles, planted so many of the churches there in Asia. And he trained up other people who would go on and minister after he was gone. Not only that, he wrote letters that were published, either 13 or 14 of them. We don't know for sure that he wrote Hebrews. Well, I know he wrote Hebrews. Some people don't. But... but, and it's the, so much of the two-thirds of the New Testament that we have was written by Paul. So he was a guy who really made an impact for sure. How many of the letters that I have written will people be reading almost 2,000 years from now? Probably not. I hope not many. But, but Paul had that kind of an impact. But he said, I did that because the grace of God was given to me. What I had was given It was free. It came from God's grace. I didn't earn it. I didn't make it happen. He said, all I realized is God gave me an opportunity by his grace. And God has given each of us an opportunity by his grace. Maybe we don't have the kind of potential that Paul had. It doesn't matter. It's grace. It's whatever he has given us. So what he has given us is something that we will give an account for. But Paul wasn't proud of what he had done, because he realized it was something that God gave him to do, and all he did was follow through on it. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. Paul realized that the responsibility that he had as the church was just beginning was a pivotal one. And he describes himself as an architect, Now, an architect has a lot to do with shaping the building that will develop. The architect isn't usually the general contractor or he isn't usually one of the particular contractors that does the various jobs within the building. It's also not usually the architect's job to to design a building, nor is it the building that belongs to the architect. But the owner of the building lays out some ideas. The architect develops them and gets things going and works with those who build on that which they start. And Paul saw himself in that role. But he realized, I laid a foundation, but he said other people came afterwards to build on that foundation. Another builds on it. And so 
we need to understand that if we are a part of building God's building, if we are a part of doing what God wants to do, if we want our life to matter for eternity, we need to realize that a lot of people are involved in that task. And we build on our history. We build on what happened before us. One of the problems nowadays is that people think that you have to constantly reinvent the wheel, as they say. Everyone wants to start fresh and new. The truth is, though, the church was started on the foundation of Jesus Christ, as he says here, and God has been working for a couple of thousand years. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. It's a program, it's a building, it's an opportunity that's been going on for a long time. And we dare not disconnect ourselves from what's come before us. I think it's sad how ignorant people are today of history, how ignorant Christians are of church history. Now, on the one hand, you can understand it. History becomes a more difficult subject every year because it continues to expand and to grow. Now, in other fields of study, we learn new things, and they become more complicated. But when it comes to history, more things keep happening. So, you know, back, you know, 100 years ago, history was much easier than it is today because a whole lot less things had happened. When I was in school, the problem is I had a history class, U.S. history. Today, students have U.S. history. But a lot has happened in U.S. history since I was in school, and the problem is the class is still only 40, 45 minutes long. So what do you do? You become overwhelmed. The Civil War, which had a huge impact, was an important event in our country. There was a time in our history when you would spend a whole year studying the Civil War. Today, students may spend a couple days on the Civil War. You can't learn much about the Civil War in a couple of days. More people, more Americans died in the Civil War than have died in all of our other wars combined. But the problem is history keeps happening and we've got to keep moving. We tend to do the same thing with church history. Oh, all those old dead people and all those things that have happened and, you know, there's so much happening today. I can't keep up with what's happening in the church today. Every day in my email box, I find more and more Christian books that are being written, Christian seminars that are being promoted, different things that people are doing in churches. And how in the world, I can't worry about what happened in the Reformation. I, uh, you know, what I'm just reading about now is already becoming old news as there are new things that God is doing. But Paul had a sense of the development of the body of Christ whereby it all builds. And it's important for us to somehow have a handle on historical perspective if we are going to take a, a wise part in participating in the building of the church. Because God has been working, and Jesus said the gates of hell won't prevail against it. But here's the thing. You have to stay on task. There are an awful lot of things that people are doing today that don't have anything to do with Jesus, that don't have anything to do with what God really cares about. And there are all these ancillary functions of the church and all of these distractions and other things that keep us from being able to stay to task and build what he wants to build. And so Paul says, hey, another builds on it. 
But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul says, take heed. That word means look at this very closely, pay special attention, focus yourself on this. Be careful how you build. Everyone needs to do that. Now, I don't know if you've thought about it much, but God has something for you to do in the church. God has something for you to do in serving him and in making an impact and leaving a legacy for those who will be here after you if the Lord tarries. For many of us, we just think, oh, that's what pastors do. Don't we hire people to do ministry? Isn't it our job just to kind of throw money in the pot and then they'll take care of everything? But Paul would say, hey, everyone needs to pay special attention to what I'm saying here. Everyone needs to pay special attention to what their place is within the body. Now, later in the book of 1 Corinthians, and especially as we get into chapter 12, Paul emphasizes greatly that each member of the body has a place and how it's so important for us to know our place in the body and to perform that to which he has called us to and to not try to be something that we aren't in the body or not to be jealous or to be prideful as we see other people play different roles than what we play. But it's important for us to find out what we're supposed to do and then to do it. And here, again, he's calling us to that be careful. Now, the first thing that he cautions us about is no other foundation can anyone lay except Jesus Christ. He said, it's all about Jesus. And whatever you do for the kingdom of God, whatever you do with your life, Whatever you do with your money and your efforts and everything else, it has to be built on that foundation. It's got to be about Jesus. And so, therefore, it's extremely important for us to know Jesus, to study about Jesus. How do you do that? Well, the great news is about Jesus, nothing new has really happened <laughs> since the Bible was written. Oh, he is doing things, and there are insights that we can get, but primarily, we have his words recorded for us and his story in the Gospels. The apostles explain about him and tell about the future. The Old Testament records the prophecies and the buildup up, up to the point where we see who Jesus is. This is a book about him. We don't need to add to it. In fact, it's really dangerous when you start adding to it. You certainly don't want to take away from it because if Jesus is what our life is about, he is the one in whom we live and move and have our being, then we should become experts on Jesus. And we should get to know him. We should spend time with him. We should study about him and learn his word and hear what he has to say. And everything in our lives becomes more clear as we see it in light of who he is. He is the foundation don't add on. Don't look, okay, here's what God's doing, but you know what I think what he didn't think of is there's a little extra here. And that makes it a lot simpler too, by the way, because I can't possibly be an expert on every fad or every new religious twist or whatever that comes along. People are inventing religions all the time. And if I had to stay up on all of them, I wouldn't be able to stay up on Jesus but I stick with the foundation. Paul, that's why Paul said, hey, I preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
That's where it starts. That's the foundation. That's who matters. And if I know him, then everything else will take care of itself because he has influence and ramification on everything else. I need to be a Jesus person. I don't have time to also be a person of someone else. I don't have time to keep up with fitting in with this group or that movement or whatever. It's, it needs to be Jesus. That's a full-time job. And so as he lays that out, he says, first of all, make sure that you're sticking with the foundation. In other words, what you are doing with your life, does it connect to Jesus? Does it flow forth from Jesus? If it doesn't, you're building on a foundation that's not going to last, and the legacy that you leave will be one that falls and crumbles. But he also says, pay attention not only to the foundation that you, that's been laid, Jesus Christ, but he says in verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear. See, you can build on the foundation of Jesus, but it has to be done in the way that he calls us to do it. You can't just do anything in the name of Jesus and have it be okay. It's important to build with quality. Now, gold and silver and precious stones, it's not that they are more valuable because wood is valuable. There's some wood that's really valuable. The thing is, does it last? Will it stay? Will it stand the test of time? Will it stand the test of fire? And so what he's saying here is make sure that what you're doing in the name of Jesus is also made of things that will last, is focused on what's important and what's permanent. Because see, a whole lot of what we do with our lives is a complete waste of time. And it's a complete waste of money. And it's a complete waste of energy. It's a complete waste of talent because it just doesn't last. Most of the things that we buy are going to burn. And most of the time that we spend, even that which we learn becomes obsolete while we're trying to memorize it. All of a sudden, whoops, no, that has changed. But if that's true, and there is wood, hay, and straw, and there are places for wood, hay, and straw. They use straw as the roof for most of their houses. But they certainly didn't want to build a house primarily of straw because the first fire that would come along would destroy it. In our lives, you can't avoid wood, hay, and straw. It's a part of our lives sometimes. But the challenge that Paul gives us is, are you doing anything that's going to last? Are you doing anything that has a permanence? Is there something that you are investing in, something that you are spending time in that will last even beyond you? And so often we wonder, am I going to make a difference really? Is there a legacy that's involved? And sometimes we're surprised at what would become our legacy. On the way to church this morning, I was listening um, on the radio at 6.30 to J. Vernon McGee. And these were sermons that J. Vernon McGee preached way back when I was a little kid, and he was pastoring the Church of the Open Door in Los Angeles. And recording equipment was pretty terrible back then. And originally, it was they made these big reel-to-reel -reel tapes, and no one did much with them. And when he preached, he had no idea that decades after he had gone on to be with the Lord, that somebody would be driving in their car and hearing that message. And that somebody digitally would have cleaned it up so that it sounded like it's live right now happening in a church. 
And we take that for granted. But did he know that? He just knew that he was teaching the people in his church. He had no idea what all God would do. I, uh, there's a, uh, Steve Bailey turned me on to an internet site that uh, I've been looking at the last few weeks, and they've collected a lot of sermons from a lot of different people, mostly people who are dead and can't sue you. And, and they just have like tons of these MP3s and some videos. And I, yesterday I was watching a, a video of Keith Green who's gone to be with the Lord. And Keith Green was teaching a class at, the, at a YWAM school. And I was just really enjoying it and being ministered. And then I, I listened to a sermon from A.W. Tozer that he preached in 1954. Somebody had recorded it. And now I can listen to it sitting there on my laptop with it on my lap hearing this. And I think, did these guys have any concept of what kind of an eternal impact could come out of what they are doing? I'm sure when they did it, they weren't thinking, Boy, this will be great in MP3. Wouldn't know what an MP3 is. But it's amazing how what we do can last if we commit it to the Lord. And if He blesses it. And if He strengthens what we do, turns it into something fruitful. But here's the thing. There's a lot of what we do that we know. There isn't any way in the world this is ever going to matter much past where I am right now. You know, when I go on the Internet and I listen to... A, a Tozer message or a Wearsby sermon, I, you know, I know that can plant some seeds for eternity in my heart. But when I go to Drudge Report and I see, okay, what's up with Paris Hilton and her prison sentence now? And I'm clicking, I'm reading about all of that or, uh, you know, there's so much on there that I know as I'm looking at it, this can't bring any, might make a funny sermon illustration. That's the best thing it's going to do. But mostly I'm killing time looking at this stuff, reading the newspaper and checking the sports scores. Oh, getting all excited about, you know, the, the uh, angels beating the Dodgers. You know, a month from now, I won't remember that score or that game. We're even, as a church, we're, having the, we're going to the angel game on, I think it's this Saturday, and having a tailgate party. And we did it last year, too. It's great fun. And I look forward to it, and I think it'll be great. The angels are playing a really lousy team, so they'll probably win, and oh, it'll be great. And I remember last year when we did it, and I'm thinking, who did the angels play on that game? I can't remember. Did they win? I'm not sure. I'm sure some of you could tell me. I don't care. But you know what I do remember about that game is hanging out with you people, some of you out in the parking lot before the game and eating and goofing around, being in the game. I can remember who was sitting all around me at the game. I remember throwing peanuts, hitting people in the back of the head. and You know, some of them that go to our church, some that don't. And I'm sorry, you know, hoping you hit little guys. And, and, you know, so here this game that cost all this money, it turns out the game wasn't the deal. But there were memories of spending time with people that you enjoy that lasts a lot longer than a baseball game does. And a lot of our life is that way. But here's the thing. As Paul would say, why don't you think about this and pay attention? Is there something that you can do this week that will last past this week, for starters? Because we can become so fooled into thinking that some things are worth something that really aren't. There are people who completely trade away 
relationships so that they can get things. There are people who waste potential time with family and loved ones that ultimately it ends up costing them their family, but for them it was so they could get some stuff. And Paul would say, does that make sense? That when the people who are with you, you will take them, Lord willing, with you to heaven. And the memories that you're creating with them will go on. And instead, this is what you choose to do with your time? This is the impact that you're choosing to leave, to make on a society? And Satan, and there is a real devil, and he is really good at making us think that things that are worthless are really worth a lot. And making us think that things that are worth a lot aren't really worth much. And then he sits there and laughs as we sit there all alone, feeling like there's nothing to live for, when all around us are all the stuff that we work so hard for, and now they don't matter because they won't help people that we care about. And people we care about don't even want to talk to us, don't want anything to do with us because they're sick of us going after stuff instead of caring about people. The impact that we can make is, is great. Now, at the same time, there isn't any way to obsess and guarantee that everything that I do will always matter for eternity. It's a percentage game, though. One, of my, one time when I was in seminary, I was getting frustrated with, with ministry a little bit because, you know, you pour your heart out for people and most of them don't get it. And, and my professor shared with me where Isaiah was called by God. And God told Isaiah, I'm calling you to minister to these people. And he said, as you minister, this big tree is going to grow up. But he said, it's going to get wiped out and all that's going to be left is a stump. And Dr. Feinberg told me, that stump... That's what you're ministering for. Not everything that you do is going to pay off, but if you don't do anything, for sure that doesn't pay off. Doing nothing, doing worthless things will almost always end up worthless. Oh, now, I suppose if you want with your money, you could go buy lottery tickets. And that's, I'm not going to give you a hard time about that. It's just, to me, lottery is just a tax on stupid people. But, so, <laughs> that's what you want to do, fine. But... But here's the thing, you go, oh, but I know somebody who bought a lottery ticket and they got $10 million and they're giving it to the Lord's work and they're doing, yeah, okay, great, that's fine, that can happen, but let's face it, the percentages of that happening aren't very good, as opposed to if that same money that you spend on a lottery ticket, you might give to somebody who's sharing the gospel with people who can live for a week on what your lottery ticket costs. And they can buy them a meal and sit down and tell them about the Lord. Doesn't that make more sense? Isn't that more sensible? Now, you could go, well, gold, silver, precious stones, that's sure not what this church is built out of. No, that's true. Because this building isn't the church. And we're looking now at expanding, building an educational building so we have room for the kids and everything. And, and, but as I'm thinking of that, I'm not thinking, ooh, gold, silver, precious stones, let's make it look really nice. No, because what lasts in this church is not going to be the building. It'll last a while, and it'll end up burning. But what lasts in this place, and the reason why it's worth, why I would spend my time here and why I want to support our churches is because of the lives that'll be changed. That for me, when we got this building, I wasn't excited because, oh, a building. 
But every day when I come here, I look and I think, you know what, after I'm dead, and after a lot of you are dead, and when our kids are, you know, people are still going to be coming to this place and being ministered to by God. God will still be drawing people to himself in this place. That's what makes the place special. The gold and silver and precious stones isn't the building. It's the people. It's the souls that can be saved. And so to invest in a building that makes that possible is exciting. But my legacy, I would never want it to be a building. I want it to be the people who get saved in that building, who get taught in that building, who hear from God and are challenged by him there. And that's the way our life can be. That's the way our life should be. And every one of us has something that has come to us by God's grace. And he says, why don't you think about what you're doing with it? Maybe you aren't using it in a way that will last. And it can start with your family and your friends. It can also involve what you do for a living. And it's not like let's everybody become pastors. The truth is, if everyone was doing what the Scripture tells us to do, you wouldn't have to hire anybody at a church. It would just all be done. The body would be building itself up. But it could be that what you're doing for a living is something that God is using in a great way if you allow him to. Now, there are some jobs, I suppose, you know, exotic dancer or something, that really hard to do it for the Lord, but for the most part... <laughs> Please, if you know an exception, I don't even want to know about it. But for the most part, what you do every day, the difference is, are you doing it to glorify God or are you doing it for yourself? Are you showing his heart for people, his attitude? That's all he asks. And when you do that, you're building gold and silver and precious stones. When you don't do that, all you're accumulating is wood, hay, and straw. And that's something that he would say, Pay attention to this. Decide intentionally, what do I want to build? What do I want to be involved in? And why do I want to do it? How is it supposed to go down? He goes on to warn us of the judgment, of the fire, of the day when all of a sudden, when it all comes down, does this last or doesn't it? And he says, each one's work will become clearer. That may be on the day of the Bema Seat judgment, but it's probably, in many ways, it becomes obvious a lot sooner. The day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. It's not your salvation that's at stake. That's a gift from God. That's a freebie. You accept Jesus Christ, you're saved. But what you do after you're saved and what you build and what you contribute and what is accomplished through you utilizing what God has given you, that is something that you'll answer for. And you will either have a sense of, I am so thankful that God used me to make a difference. Or you'll look back and go, this was just a complete waste. I didn't make a difference. I, I didn't leave a legacy. My legacy is one of laziness and failure. My legacy is one of priorities that are all twisted and messed up. What matters? What's the big deal? What is it that we really care about? Can you even look back at your life and say, well, at least that lasted? 
At least that made a difference. It's funny how as we become older, this becomes more important. When you're young, yeah, you got all kinds of years ahead of you. As you get older, I know um, my wife's dad worked in aerospace all his life, and it's funny, his, his big claim to fame, and he loves telling people about it, and it was a, a great accomplishment, was developing underwear for the astronauts. And this underwear has these little tubes running through it that run water and keep you cool when you're in space. And so when we went back to the, to the um, Smithsonian, I had to make sure the kids got a picture of Grandpa's space underwear. And, you know, but you go, wow, I mean, that's, that's cool. That's an accomplishment, and, and that's a wonderful thing. But at least there's something there. Is there anything that we are doing? that ultimately we can point at and go, that's what I worked for. That's why I worked late. That's why I sometimes wasn't here. This is, here it is, look. This is what I'm proud of. This is what speaks for me. This is what I want a picture of on my gravestone, this. The day is going to come when we are forced to look at what we've done and Well, we won't answer for the time and money that we've wasted because there's nothing we can say. But ultimately, God will reward us for those things that had eternal value and everything else will just be gone. It'll just disappear completely. So how much of what we do lasts? That's the question that we all have to answer, that we all have to face. That if we're honest with ourselves... We've got to come to terms with that at some point. Now, he also goes on to say, don't you get it? You are the temple of God. The word there means the holy place. You're, you're the place where God dwells. They're, you're God's people and you're his temple. And he said, the spirit of God dwells in you individually and collectively. And if anyone defiles, and by the way, the word for defiles and the word for destroy are the same Greek word there. So if anybody defiles the temple of God, God will defile him. If anyone destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, set apart, which temple you are. He says, you're a part of something that's set apart, special, and holy. And understand this, if you mess too much with God's church, if you either through waste or indifference or through deliberate action, you decide you're someone who tears down what God's doing instead of gets involved with building up what God's doing. He said, God may take you out of the way completely. And how easy it is for us to look at the building as it goes up, to see what God is doing, what other people are doing. And because sometimes we're jealous of what they're doing that we aren't doing, we criticize how they're doing it. Be careful. The Bible says in a lot of places, there may be times when you foul things up so badly that God takes you out completely. He'll destroy your flesh to save your soul. And if you become one of these people in the church, in God's building, who is doing more to tear things down than to build things up, he may just put you out of the way completely. And that's a solemn warning from Paul. Be careful. Remember, what you're working on is holy. That person sitting next to you, they're holy. They're set apart. They're they're special to God. The Holy Spirit resides in them as he does in you. Don't tear them down. 
Don't speak ill of what God is doing. Don't think that your ministry is demo. No, nobody's, nobody's ministry is demo. It's our job to build each other up and to see Jesus Christ construct his church. How can we do that? That's the question. But it goes along with a warning that says, by the way, don't tear it down or he may have to tear you down. He may have to remove you from the picture. So there you have it. That's the deal. Here's this thing that God wants to do. The foundation is Jesus. Everything worthwhile connected to Jesus. And each of us has a certain element of grace, a gift, a gift of time, a gift of money, a gift of talent, a gift of knowledge, a gift of whatever else it is that God has given to us. And he says, you have that so you can build what I want to do. But be careful. Make sure that what you're building, what matters to you, is connected to Jesus Christ, the foundation. And then make sure when you build, you're doing it with things that are eternal. You're doing it with the kinds of values that value things that last and that devalues things that don't last. And be a part of what God is doing. These are decisions that we make many, many times every day. The decision may be to, you know, Check on eBay for the hundredth time if they still... I, when I think of the time, there was a time when I was like, I always felt bad that I never got one of those cool rifleman rifles. It was a rifle from Hubley that had the round thing that, you know, you could just crank off shots, and it was a cool toy. And I just never got one, never forgave my mom for that. But <laughs> there was a time years ago, and like every day I'm watching on eBay, what are these things going for, and when am I... I got to find one that's really... It's like, what? When I think of what I could have done with just the time I spent looking for a plastic gun, now you go, well, I don't know, you're just kind of killing time. Yeah, that's true. But how long does it take, for instance, to sit at your computer instead of shopping for something or checking the latest sports scores or whatever to instead sit down and write an email for five minutes to somebody that you know that it might encourage them and build them up? It might make a difference in their life. Do you understand five minutes on the computer? You can make something happen for eternity. You can type out gold, silver, and precious stones. Or you can sit there and just wood, hay, and stubble it for the day. It's, it's amazing the opportunities that we miss because our values just don't say, this is what matters to me. Just to take time and skip lunch one day And instead of eating lunch, to spend time praying for our missionaries. You know, we have cards out there in the foyer with each of the missionaries and their picture and some of their prayer requests, their email addresses if you want to encourage them and write them. But imagine the difference that you're making for eternity just to pray for someone for an hour who's serving God. Now, you want to talk about gold, silver, and precious stones. How about going over to a country where... There are kids born, and they have no parents. Their parents are dead. They have no future. There's no way in the world they're ever going to hear about Jesus. But then somebody takes them into this orphanage, and they're, and they're ministering to them and giving them the love of God. Oh, some of them grow up, and they're terrible terrorists. Or Yeah, you know, yes, it's percentages. But all of the ones who we don't reach are heading that direction. And so here we have a chance, and there are people from our church who are over there doing this every day, and we can support them and we can pray for them. Making a difference, that's gold to God. 
those little kids who end up hearing about Jesus, who wouldn't have otherwise, that's gold to him. That's who Jesus died for. You ever think of just praying for them? You ever think of even going off on a short-term trip and encouraging them? Or, you know, it's like opportunities all around us. And Paul's going, come on, you can make an eternal impact or you can just mess around and ruin your own life. The more you spend on yourself, the more miserable you're going to be. It's foolishness. And he goes, you can make a difference for eternity. Building on that foundation. You know, we understand when it comes to food that our body is being built. <laughs> if we eat certain things, body gets built a lot bigger. There are certain things that we only eat because we know we need it. And so we put those things into our body, maybe vitamins or vegetables or whatever. There are other things. There were these little mints that they had at this wedding last night. And because we had to wait a long time, you know, as always before the bride and groom got there, I mean, those mints were gold to me. And you eat them and it's like, you know, I could live on those things, little melt-away mints. But at the same time, it would kill me because in reality, I know I need to put things into my body other than just melt-away mints because what happens to your body is the same thing what happens to the church. When you lose sight of the foundation, our bodies are meant to, be, to have food put into our bodies, but we're to stay within the foundation of our feet. Once we start spreading out larger than the foundation, we look like this monstrosity that's like ready to tip over because we've outgrown the foundation. And that's what can happen so often with our lives when God says, Jesus is the foundation. Now, do what you do within the profile of who he is and what he wants to do and what he cares about, and you'll make a difference for eternity. You'll be doing things that leave a legacy. And we all have that opportunity, and we have that opportunity every single day. And the decisions that we make determine what we are making the building of God, what we are making the church, what we are making each other. Are we encouraging, lifting up, building up? Are we making a difference? Are we spreading the gospel? Are we just kind of seeing how much stuff we can get so that at the end of our lives, there'll be a much bigger bonfire than the next guy? Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, it's our choice. And what we do means everything in life and in eternity. I want to encourage you this week to just take a look at your life. What is it that you've done so far that's going to last? You might see some things and say, you know, when I got married, that was one of the best things I could do. When I had those kids and pouring my life into those kids, boy, how thankful I am that I'll see them carry on long after I'm gone. Maybe ministries you've been involved in, causes you've contributed to that you go, I feel really good about that. But if that's the case, or if you go, you know what, pretty much I'm at zero right now except I'm in debt. Well, now I would challenge you, look at the rest of your life. What are you going to do with it? What are you doing right now that's going to last 100 years? What are you giving to right now that's going to make a difference when we get to heaven? And let's take whatever we have and use it in a way 
that someday when the day comes that we go, I am so glad that I changed the way I was living so that I could start to invest in what really matters, so that I could start to make a difference and leave a legacy. For you this week, hey, that might mean praying about getting involved in missions. It may mean giving something to the Lord's work in some way or coming down and doing something on the church. But it's just as likely that it means taking a little extra time and going over and playing with your grandkids or with your kids. You know, having a special date with your spouse or whatever. But there are some things that matter and there are some things that don't. If you want to find out what matters, ask an old person. They can tell you because they've been there. Find someone who's at the tail end of their life and say, if you had it to do over again, what would you do differently? If you were me, what would you do that when I'm your age, you'd say, I'd be glad I did it? And that's all Paul is saying, really. But he says, look at it. Take heed to it. Be careful. You're building whether you like it or not. You're either building a part of something that will last or you're building a bonfire that's going to burn. The choice is yours. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the grace that you've given us that within each one of us, no matter how smart we are, how rich we are, how young or old we are, how talented we are, yet each one of us has a place in your building, in your house. And each one of us has an opportunity to make an eternal difference. God, I pray that you would give us your priorities so that whatever we've done up to this point, that we would begin to intentionally make deposits in eternity to build a legacy, to do things that will really last and matter, and to stop wasting so much of what you have graciously given us in efforts for things that moth and rust will decay and thieves will break in and steal. So, Lord, touch our hearts, challenge us this week. Forgive us for the many things that we've missed, the opportunities that have been there that we didn't take, and, Lord, Challenge us to not live that way anymore. Help us to enjoy the privilege of making a difference for eternity. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.